All right, folks, we are so, so stoked to be able to present to you a very special guest, despite everything going on in the world. Um, someone that Josh and I respect very much uh, was able to take the time to come on the show um, the way everyone is meeting right now on Zoom, uh, live from our bedrooms. <laughs> um, it is such a pleasure to introduce a writer that's been behind um, so many incredible children's programs, uh, including something really special that's going on in the world of inclusion right now that we're going to be talking about. Um, this is Matt Hoverman. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Yeah, so thank you. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an honor to be anywhere safe right now. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, we just, we, to be honest, I, I've been a Fancy Nancy fan for a while. Um, for those who don't know, Fancy Nancy is, it's a Disney show, um, a kid's show. Um, and my daughter loves Fancy Nancy, has a Fancy Nancy costume and has the books. Here's the book. <laughs> um and and um but I, I knew it was a cool show but i didn't know how cool until recently when we started seeing some headlines uh josh do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so um in one of the newer episodes there is a character on the spectrum and what, what, when, when we found out about that we, we knew that we had to find a way to get you on the show <laughs> we we had to right then and there. We just we knew we're gonna make it happen. So uh on behold, here you are, here we are. <laughs> and uh yeah, so what though made you want to make children's shows? Like what was the draw to that? Oh, that's a great question. Um hmm. Well, you're an actor, right? You've been I, I was. I've I've had a very uh, a very circuitous career. I started out uh, couldn't I couldn't decide whether I was an actor or a writer. Uh, I was more of a in the theater and the playwriting and Shakespeare acting and different things. Um, and then I fell into doing. I, I went to college for both, and I went to grad school for acting, and I had great aspirations, and. Um, and then I got a phone call from a friend who was like, they're doing uh, Pokemon auditions. Do you want to you go and audition for Pokemon? And I was like, oh, okay. And I hadn't ever really trained to do voiceovers or anything, but growing up, my dad um, really loved comedy albums. And so I would listen to them and do the voices. And I was a huge comic book fan and a cartoon fan and all those things, but they were never something I aspired to uh, career-wise. And, but I got the, I wound up booking the gig and I, I wound up doing a lot of voiceovers uh, for cartoons with a company called 4Kids. So I was, uh, I did um, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Shaman King and One Piece and just many, many, many. And, um, and then I was continuing to write plays and I was walking down the street and I ran into a friend of mine who was the head writer for a show on PBS called Arthur. And at that point, I had a couple plays option for Broadway, which, which was very exciting. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But um, he, he's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going to Broadway. And he said, you should write for Arthur. I said, all right. And uh, so I pitched some ideas for that show. And I wound up writing, I think it's almost 20 episodes of that. And um, I just loved it. I just felt like as a playwright, I write sincere plays, um, uh, plays with you know they're they're uplifting and positive and funny and um, 
and it just the the kids tv was just a natural fit for me um i just want to say sure in case you forgot you also write for another one of the best kids shows ever curious george yes i i did write some episodes of curious george which is an <sighs> awesome awesome show and uh such a positive and like uh casually educational show you know like it's a show that i can sit and watch with my daughter without getting like without with like and being able to forget that i'm watching a kids show for a few minutes which is incredible so well that's the that's the biggest compliment for us when we're writing kids tv because there's there's a kind of kids tv that is very entertaining for young kids but it makes the audience want the the adults watching want to run the leave the room screaming you know and then there's <laughs> then there's so i guess maybe there's a difference between childish uh television and childlike television. And I think that childlike television connects to something in all of us that even for adults makes us connect to that kid inside of us. And so we enjoy it too. And I aspire to write childlike television. I love that. that that's awesome. Just I, before I go in further, I just have to say when you said like that you did Yu-Gi-Oh! I mean, like, when I was in middle school, I was, like, the biggest Yu-Gi-Oh nut, like, in school with all the trading cards and stuff. So, like, like little Josh, like, from the past, <laughs> thanks you. So, thank you. I You're just welcome. have to say that. You're welcome, little Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Hey, so, what, what compelled you to make an episode um, about autism and autism awareness? Well, I, uh, as I, as you guys know, I grew up with a sister who's developmentally disabled. She's not, she doesn't have autism, um, but uh, she was a, she's aphasic and has some other challenges. And so, you know, as writing shows for kids, um, I often think about what kid needs to hear the story that I'm telling, like what particular kid. For me, I was kind of a lonely kid growing up. And I, it just really mattered to me, the, the lessons that I learned, the stories that I saw on TV, they really mattered to me. That was where I was getting a lot of my education in life. And, and I saw um, how, I knew how influential it was on, towards me. And then I saw with my sister um, that she didn't see herself uh, in episodes very often. Um, there was a show called Life Goes On that she, where there was a developmentally disabled character and she would just watch that wrapped, you know? And then I also saw growing up that, that making friends was really hard for her. And part of that was kids just didn't know how to interact with her. She did things that they didn't, they just seemed confusing to her. And so they just kind of stayed away. Um, and so once I started writing in kids TV, I, I, it became clear to me that I wanted to include as many dis characters with disabilities as I could in the shows that I was writing. Again, those, those two goals. One of them is to have kids who have a disability to look on the thing and see, I exist, I'm seen, I'm heard, I count. Um, my experience is, is worth doing a show. I can be the hero of a show. Um, and then for the kids who aren't used to having somebody with a disability in their family or as a friend, to not be afraid of them, to not feel like, oh, that's weird and strange and I'll just stay away, you know? And um, so I had written uh, on Arthur, I wrote uh, an episode, there had already, they had already created a character who was blind and I wanted to do an episode about her and I did some research and found that there was, there are blind girl gym, gymnasts. 
And it was just an amazing thing. I mean, if they would, they, this one girl would, you know, the pommel horse, you run at the pommel horse full tilt, throw yourself in the air, bounce off at leap. And she does that without being able to see very well. And so she would count the steps backwards and then run at it and just trust and throw herself into that. And, and which brings up another issue, which is I think that I admire my sister so much. There's so many things that she has taught me. And so I think that like that idea of trusting, leaping into the unknown, um, which is, uh, sorry, my printer is going crazy. Just one second, you can delete it. Hold on. Um, okay, I think I turned it off. Um, We're keeping the cameo with the printer in. Okay, all right. We love the printer. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, Makes it more real. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, not animated. So, um, <laughs> so in that one, yeah, you know, so I'm sh I'm showing that like uh, that that she's inspirational in that way. That 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 her ability to trust and leap into the unknown. I, I was just floored by that, and I so I wanted to capture that on the show. And um, that show actually wound up. Uh, well, that won a Humanitas Award, and then the Arthur won an Emmy, which was great. And um, but I m connected with some people at Disney at the Emmy Award ceremony, and I got hired for Sophia the First. And when I was on that show, I was like, I don't know if I can write a show that's crowns and gowns and things like that. But then I um, read online that people were really hungry for a princess with a disability. So I said, okay, my goal on Sophia the First is to create Disney's first princess with a disability. Mm -hmm. And I kept pitching ideas and pitching ideas and pitching ideas. And finally, on my very last episode, they accepted it. And I, and I created this character named Princess Cassandra, who was also visually impaired. And it was really cool. She was an archaeomagicologist, which meant that it was the profession we made up, which is that she studies ancient magical things. And because she's good at reading Braille, she's really good at going into like an Indiana Jones adventure and reading the carved hieroglyphs on the walls of an ancient magical pyramid with her fingers. And the lights go out in the pyramid and she shows the other princesses how to navigate in the dark using their other senses. And, and again, another great heroic character. So that show did well, won an award. And what I did was I sent, I, and for the first time, I got fan mail as a kid's writer. You don't really get fan mail as a kid's TV writer. But all of these people, are, and I didn't even realize there were a lot of visually impaired viewers of Disney shows, but there are, and they reached out to me and they thanked, you know. So I put together an email with all of those things and I sent them to all the executives at Disney Junior. And I said, look at what we did. Let's do, and let's do more of this. And I had just started on Fancy Nancy and I had this wonderful executive who was in charge of that show. And she said, this is great. Can we have a character with a disability on our show too? And I was like, absolutely we can. And, you uh, and, you know, and often disability on TV is represented by somebody in a wheelchair, which is great, but I wanted to do, could we do somebody who was neurodiverse? Could we tackle that in, um, in animation? Figure Fancy Nancy, her whole thing is being super fancy, which means being loud and colorful and bright. And wouldn't that be a great way to talk about becoming friends with someone who's on the autism spectrum? Because those, that, would be her, that would be her way of reaching out to them, and that might really intimidate somebody with uh, autism. And this could teach kids how to um, not to be so uh, afraid of someone who's, who, who might be autistic and, and have a, uh, that, those behaviors. Um, and see that they could actually be really fun to be friends with. So that was a very long story. <laughs> 
but that's how we got to that. And then um, it was very important for me on the show to cast who is actually on the spectrum. And as I was researching the show and looking and learning about autism online, and, and we also consulted with some organizations like Respectability, um, uh, I found this young uh, kid named George put a link to his video. He made the video with, uh, with his family uh, for a class called uh, about him having autism. And it was just this incredible video. And I loved this kid and he had such a wonderful personality. And so when we were casting it, they're like, who are we going to get to play this? And I was like, let's get George. <laughs> and uh, so he auditioned for the part and he got the part and he is just terrific. Um, and I'm super psyched that, he's, that he did it. He did a wonderful job. That, that's yeah. amazing. Like, because oftentimes, for example, I'm like I'm not bashing shows. Like I, I love the shows, but like, for example, a a typical like the the person uh, who is the main character who's portrayed to be on the spectrum, that actor is not on the spectrum. So right. like it's amazing to actually have like a, a character who is portrayed to be on the spectrum portrayed by a person actually on it. So yeah. like when we have like the your viewers who are on the spectrum, I thank you for that. That that's really, yeah, that's really, really exciting. And, and I love what you said about um, characters with disabilities. You know, um, usually when people are making an effort to include a character with a disability, they're often in a wheelchair. Like whenever you look at children's uh, pamphlets and literature about inclusion, it's always like people of different colors and heights and stuff. And then like the one person on the end in the wheelchair all holding right. hands around the world or whatever. And yeah. I mean, right. and there's plenty of room for that, but yep. To be honest, there's way more people with learning differences in schools than people in wheelchairs. That's not to say that we shouldn't make sure to include people in wheelchairs, but what a disability looks like is a lot different than how historically they've been played in, in the media in yeah. general. You know, yeah, um, That's and, very antiquated. And, and it's very difficult to make a children's motivational poster for a guidance office or something that you know, just shows this guy has autism and it's okay, but we're, we're figuring, we're figuring it out, you know, and I think so much of that has to do with me inclusion in media, because that's what people are just eating up anyway. And it's, and it's visual and it's uh, audio and it's, it's showing people what, you know, autism or neurodiversity looks like. And that, that's just so important. Right. Yeah. And it's entertaining because often like it's found that, you know, um, you could be, watching something informal or just like studying something informal but the person who watches it and is also entertained by it is going to retain that information more than the person who's just like studying flashcards because they're entertained so they're naturally going to be more engaged i think that's such a good point josh and yeah. um yeah and that's and that's the that's the power of art you know it, it's yeah. um I was, I interviewed in, for this episode, I, I wound up having just another, I have a lot of friends who have kids who have uh, autism. And so I interviewed a lot of them and asked them questions. And one of them told me the story that really stuck with me, which was she actually has two boy, uh, two kids who are on the spectrum and she brought them to the pool and they were stimming or something. And there was a grandmother with her two kids there and the grandmother saw this and went, oh, there's something wrong with those kids. Don't play with them, stay over here. And then the kid's response was, oh no, they just have autism. We got kids at school like that. And I, I really like that story because 
the kids, because they were friends, because they were exposed to that and just knew that it was no big deal, you know? And, and my goal by doing this, doing shows like this is then everybody has a friend. Everybody has a kid who, they know a kid who has autism. So that they're all, you know, um, with my sister, she has a lot of friends who have a lot of different, a lot of different neurodiversity. And I remember she had a friend who would have seizures. And my mother, I remember when we were young, my mother would be driving her and her girlfriend and this, this boy who would have seizures. And he would sit between them and they'd, they'd be in the back seat. And all of a sudden he'd start to have a seizure, but they would just keep talking. They just link their arms through his and he would have his seizure and they'd be like, are you okay? They check back in. They just keep going. You know, that was just what Bob did. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's what I want. That's what I want people to come away from these kinds of episodes with. And also uh, to not just have them be the very special episode where they learn about somebody with autism, but that that kid with autism is part of the gang. He's coming back, you know, he's going to be in another episode, you know, and, um, and in, in, in the, the uh, shows that I'm developing, there are characters who are regular, who are, are regularly appearing characters who have a disability like this. So that it's, it isn't the thing that defines them. It's like, oh, that friend who happens to have this, but he's here all the time. And he also has these other attributes and, yeah, I, I think I think that's that's awesome. And there, there's this famous quote by a, a local professor that's on the autism spectrum near where Josh and I live on Long Island. His name is Dr. Stephen Shore. And he says, if you know someone with autism, you know one person with autism, right? And and I think that with whether it's autism or just disability in general, it's just important. There's no way that you can just cover everybody, right? But there's so much unity in diversity. Like I know that sounds like they're opposite words, but like when you show how different people are, it actually exposes what's what's the same about all of us. And that everyone is more different than what you see or what you can tell, right? And that's just so important. And like Bob in the back of your car, um, you know, everyone has their stuff. And yeah. to be for that to be normalized for people at a young age is so, so important. Yeah. Yeah, it's redefining what normal is. What is normal? You know, my sister's normal. You know, we're just as normal as you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's normal. I mean, everybody has something, you know. Very true. So in that episode, though, I yeah. um, saw there was a part where he starts talking about trains when he has his train out. He starts talking about the paint of the train and like says a fact about historically trains to be painted black um and when i saw that i couldn't help but laugh because i would do the same stuff but really? my stuff wasn't trained my stuff wasn't trains but yeah with other stuff i mean there were it was planes yeah like planes <laughs> or planes? oh that's awesome yeah so like i would do that so i saw so much of me in that it was amazing to like reconnect to like a character on that um i was just really curious um how come, you, what made you choose trains for his um, special interest? Boy, that's a good question. I mean, yeah. I, know, I know that, I know that trains is a, is a thing that uh, many yeah. kids with autism, in my research, I discovered that. Um, and um, so that was part of it. Um, you know, I really, I think that was part of it. You know, it's, it's interesting what Dave was saying, though. It's like, 
I've seen some of the tweets about it and some people are like, trains, just like me. And other people are like, trains, what a cliche, you know, why did you have to go do go to trains? And I, I think that what's important, you know, when you're just doing one character, it, it's so much is, is, is put on this one character, you know? And that's why we need to have multiple characters in a show who are on the spectrum. So one might be in the trains and one might not be, you know, um, but, uh, but it was, I guess it was something that we had heard that, that, you know, that people had talked about and we wanted to show, we needed a visual way to show right away some of the things that he was doing. And we had come up with this idea that, um, you know, Nancy thought that what, that what she heard was that he was artistic and uh, not autistic. And so something that would make her think when she comes in, oh, he's preparing something to do like a still life of the trains so she can misunderstand. Because a lot of fancy Nancy is, she gets a great idea early on that is totally wrong, <laughs> you know, and then learns over the course of the episode how she misconstrued something. And so- this, I think this that's what's really fantastic about fancy Nancy. Oh, thanks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's important not to just be, you know, it's important to find the humor in the show and to of course. You know, make them real people and, you know, all that. No, absolutely. I'm so glad you identify with that, Josh. That I can't tell you what that means to me. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw that, that that meant a lot like that, you know, like that's one of the first times I ever saw that in um, of the media format. So that was really cool. Like that, I can't tell you how cool that was. So thank well, you. We often ask when we are, we have a lot of people that are on the spectrum on the show, obviously, and we, we, every single time we ask what the, what their special interest is and we talk about what josh's were josh's were always when he was a little kid they were jellyfish um and he was just obsessed with jellyfish stuffed jellyfish beanie babies and jellyfish posters and whatever jellyfish mob and then it became planes and it's always really interesting for people to look back at that stuff um usually it's calmed down a little bit but then as soon as you bring up jellyfish or airplanes the person's still <laughs> you know um so it's, true it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting and it, it is cool because you know i work with i've worked with hundreds of individuals with autism over the years and i mean statistically there's a lot of trains there's a lot of train enthusiasts so i just want to say you kind of hit the nail on the head i mean it's yeah it's, it's not really, I mean, it's not, it's not a problematic stereotype because it's not a problem. Who cares what your special interest is, whether it's planes or jellyfish or trains, you know? I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah this is really cool. <laughs> um, so another character which I thought was really cool in the episode was the brother. And what I saw in the brother was really cool because he not only helped, like, helped his brother, um, but he also helped explain to Sophia and them about autism. And I think he, I believe when he was younger, he showed a maturity beyond his years. And often like my little brother, and also I know a couple other people who are siblings, um, and they always develop a maturity beyond their years um, when they have a sibling on the spectrum. Uh, did you, how did you like nail that? Because you, you nailed that. Well, I saw that again, that's something you nailed, how the brother mm -hmm. reacted. Like, how, how did you get that so right? I guess I, that's, like, you got that perfectly. Wow. I think he knows someone really well who's a sibling. Of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously on that, I drew from my own experience with my sister. My sister is older than me. Um, but you're right, I, I, she calls me her big brother, her big little brother, you know, and, um, 
That, I'm so glad that that connected. I mean, actually, Lionel is his cousin, but they function like brothers. And um, yeah, what I what I what I thought what I one of the things I was really proud about in the show is that there's one character, Nancy, who's meeting somebody with on the spectrum for the first time and learning how to do that. And and then you have Lionel, who's a, loves him and has been friends with him for a really long time, and has learned how to again like not like when he when he has a meltdown he it's not a big deal like he just knows how to handle it and he can explain it to her friends and and it, he doesn't let it bother him and uh and he can see the value of being friends with him and that he enjoys um you know he gets a lot from Sean it isn't just that he's taking care of Sean you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of, there's this scene where they're walking down the street to Nancy's house in the cul-de-sac and he's pointing out things about the street that Lionel lives on that Lionel's never noticed before. Uh, the fact that there are, you know, that these, this certain number of houses have mailboxes on the street and some of them have mailboxes on the house. And that's kind of an in-joke on the show because we constantly went back and forth about are the mailboxes on the street or on the house? <laughs> so I kind of hung a lantern on that. And, um, and then we refer to an earlier episode where the kids couldn't climb above a certain branch. And he looks up and he's like, how come the squirrel, does the squirrel know she, he's not supposed to climb above the branch? And then he, and then he says, you know, does, this, does your snowplow only come here when it's really, really snowy? And Lionel just can't believe it. How could he possibly know that? Does he have magic powers? Is he like, and he says, well, he knows that snowplows, it's hard for them to navigate in a cul-de-sac because it's circular. And then he points out it would be much better if it was laid out in a grid, but, and then of course they could have trains. Um, and um, I'm just really, I, I'm very happy with that little sequence because it does show, and, and he also makes jokes that are based on the literal way he understands things. So, you know, Nancy later says, tell me everything. And he's like, well, I can't tell you everything. I'm only gonna be here for one more day, you know? <laughs> and um, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, I just wanted to show that, that um, what it's like to have somebody who is like a long-term friend of someone, like, like the two of you, you know? And I know that Dave gets so much from being friends with you, Josh, you know, and, um, and vice versa, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Dave's I, pretty I, chill. <laughs> he's all right, Josh is okay. <laughs> um, no, it, but um, I know that you, you watch our TED Talk, obviously, and we talk about, yeah. um, uh, embracing neurodiversity and the the society not the benefits to the individual but the societal benefits of inclusion and that's kind of like what you're talking about like walking down the cul-de-sac that you've been walking down your I lived on a dead end and it was it was um, it was nice but there wasn't a lot of action there was like a couple cars that there was one one time a year one time a year the ice cream truck would come on like Memorial Day weekend. Oh um, and having some, having, being able to walk on that street one time after the years and years I walked there with someone neurodiverse might've been really interesting because they bring a lot to the table because right. they have a different way of thinking. So it's just a really cool, um, super accessible way to show kids that everyone has something to offer. You know what yeah. I mean? And different points of view are valuable, right. super and valuable. And that's what I loved about your guys' TED Talk, which was, it wasn't just be nice, be friends to somebody who's neurodiverse. It was like, be selfish 
because if you befriend somebody or hire somebody who's neurodiverse, you will get back gifts that you couldn't get in any other way. And I think that's super important. Wow, that means a lot. Thank you. I yeah, can tell my Josh's face too. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we just got complimented by someone with an Emmy. It like, doesn't happen every day. Like, so I don't know if that makes our TEDx Emmy worthy or not. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know the rule. How, I don't know how that works. That's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. It's like it's it works by diffusion, by like um, yeah. <laughs> that'd be really cool. By like osmosis. Like it's passed on from one person to another that way. down Emmys. It's you get a compliment from someone with an Emmy and then just like. <laughs> you have an Emmy. That's just how it works. <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> I'll um, take it. Maybe if we get like a few more. Like we'll just keep collecting those and that would yeah. be great. Very cool. Yeah. What, what's it like being um, part of the, this isn't one of Josh's questions and Josh usually asks the questions, but I'm just curious. What's it like? Um, Josh is obviously the biggest Disney fan in the world. I don't know if he was going to mention um, yeah, I'm a Disney nerd. Besides jellyfish and planes, that's probably the third thing that he's super, super into. Um, and I'm just wondering what it's like being part of like the Disney family and and having you know laying your stake, taking your claim in, in history, like everything. Josh has made me realize how culturally significant Disney is. You know what I mean? And yeah. having that like Disney email address, like that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> What's that like? Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, having a Disney email address is like having any other email address. But, <laughs> um, but uh, well, first of all, I just want to say that what came became clear to me over the course of this is also in, in, in interviewing some people for the show is that you're not alone in having a special interest uh, in Disney and that I, it does seem like a number of people who are on the spectrum are very into Disney. And so... That, that became another reason why it was so important for me to tell the story on a Disney show so that they would see themselves. You know, I was interviewing one uh, gentleman, and uh, an adult who is just an amazing guy. Um, and when I said, you know, you're really participating, you've really contributed to the creation of this Disney show, that meant an awful lot to him. Um, and it meant a lot to me that it meant a lot to him. Uh, you know, I, I love Disney stuff. I was watching uh, Disney movies. I, I remember being in New York and being a cool actor and playwright and like sneaking off to watch Tarzan in the theater by myself. And, you know, being like three people at a matinee and crying in the back, you know, in the first 10 minutes. Um, like I said, you know, in the in the playwriting world, the theater world right now, it's very sophisticated means being cynical, kind of. And um, so... And I've always just been more of a kind of an open-hearted, sincere kind of writer and guy. And so when I fell into writing for Disney, and again, it's all been, I've been working, I was working so hard on some other things and the, the kids TV just kind of happened. And then the Disney thing happened and I, I wrote for Sophia the First and then a show called Goldie and Bear and then Fancy Nancy and now I'm on a new one. And I'm also developing a show with, um, with a director that hopefully uh, go into production soon. Um, and uh, it just feels like home to me because I, like I said, I'm into comic books and into imagination. Um, I'm into, they wanna tell stories with heart and kind of my mission from inside is to make sure that those aren't just, I mean, they aren't just heartfelt shows. They're shows that are heartfelt because there's the meaning, there's a deeper content, there's a deeper message there. And, um, 
you know, in Fancy Nancy, we did other episodes like uh, the one where Nancy teaches the other kids to strike against the parents um, or, um, you know, we do, we do shows on gender and it's very important for me to show um, boys doing things that are traditionally not seen as masculine. And um, so I just try to bring meaning to my work in a lot of different ways. And Disney feels like a place that that happens. And, and there is an incredible reach. So there is an awesome kind of responsibility. I mean, Disney, Fancy Nancy is a character in the parks, you know? So kids love, adults love meeting her in person. Um, I got hired to do a show um, in Disneyland Paris. They're doing a new Disney, uh, Disney Junior live show and they needed a writer. And so they hired me to do that. And I've been going back and forth to Paris and working on this show called um, Disney Junior Dream Factory. And fancy name of it and from the Lion King and the Lion Guard and, uh, and Mickey and Minnie. And that's what I said, I, I haven't. Wow. So unfortunately now it's been delayed because of the pandemic. We were supposed to actually, I was supposed to be there, I think right now in rehearsals. Um, so it's been delayed. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll open uh, when the time is right. But, um, you know, seeing, working on, I'm excited to work on that level because in animation, you're, there's four of us writers sitting in a room coming up with the stories. And then there's 30 artists on our, on our floor in our area, like at, at, where, where we work in a building where there's, uh, every floor has four different shows in it. So like down the hall from us is Elena Vavalor and the Lion Guard was down the show and, up and down the hall. And every quadrant of that floor decorates their, their part of the floor in the way of their, wow. of their show. So Lion Guard was, it was Lion like- Lion Guard, so cool. Oh, it was so cool. And like Fancy Nancy, we had, and remember Fancy Nancy has this, secret message bucket that goes to her best friend. And so we have that and we have just boas everywhere and Elena of Avalor. They have, the artists are in little cubicles, but many of them have built little castles out of their cubicles. And we're all nerds, so we're all collectors. So there's so many action figures, like just walls lined with action figures, still in the boxes, of course, to retain their value. Um, so, but, and that's awesome, but we don't really get, to, it's not like theater where I get to like hear the audience's response. So talking to you guys is amazing. And I'm really excited to be, to see the show that I've written at Disneyland Paris and see the characters that we create animated and, and you know, see audiences reacting to them. Um, that's so cool. That's amazing. But I had one of the, one of the characters that I was uh, working with, uh, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but somebody who's good friends with that character um, said in the parks, said that they um, that they they were so grateful to the writers of the TV shows, and they said, "I've been collecting the your hugs for you know five years or whatever," and that that was a really sweet thing to hear. So that's 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 a really good way of talking about someone who's so integral behind the scenes and in such important work. Yeah, we 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 gotta take cues, Dave. Um, with our like quote unquote officers, whatever, um, on what goes on there. <laughs> oh, you mean as far as the action figures? You should see Josh's apartment. It's behind him, but he has a fake background right now. Oh, I would love, I would love to see your action figures, Josh. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I'm can't like show you everything, but um, let me still, since wait, you wait. asked, this is awesome. You yeah, got to turn off no, your background. This, this is good for yeah, is it back a virtual background. All right, yeah, like I got. Yes, we said he liked Disney, right? <laughs> yes, just some. I got a wow. Yeah, um, some figurines here. Nice. Yeah. Oh, glorious. Yeah. Yep. I have very similar in our old apartment. I had very similar uh, shelves yeah. with all my. I mean, I'm in the Marvel superhero, so just Marvel. And I would like put the winged ones. I would nail them to the wall. You know. <laughs> my wife. One of our friends came in and said to my wife, "You know, you don't have to let him do this." And that kind of. Now they're all in my office, so it's good. They're all. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's so cool. I mean. I I, I just showed a guy with an Emmy and like a Disney writer, like Disney stuff. That's pretty cool. That doesn't happen every day. Like, no. that's pretty cool. Well, being interviewed on a podcast like this doesn't it doesn't happen every day either. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, this means the world. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, this has been beyond an absolute pleasure. Beyond an absolute pleasure. And wait till I tell my daughter that I met a friend of. George and the Lion Guard and Bancy Nancy. This is a big deal. <laughs> it's, it really is. It really is important work that you're doing. So thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's it's a real pleasure to talk to you and be be a friend now. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime, if you know, next time will there'll be another uh, George episode? Uh, not George. George is the actor. Um, another Sean episode coming up in our next season. Animation takes so long, so it'll probably be a year, but. You know, if you guys want to talk then, I'm happy to do that. And, um, or if something else comes up. We would love to. I'm, I just, I just have to do that time you could be in. We would love to. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. We'll speak soon. Yeah. Okay. Be Thanks. well. Have a great one. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Yo, that was amazing. Oh, that was amazing. Oh that my was, god. That was that was very, very cool. Yeah, he's a he's a really neat guy, right? Yeah. I mean man, I can't believe that. <laughs> he's really doing cool. he's doing you know, it, it it really does show you, it really does illustrate <laughs> animation joke. But it really does illustrate how important the work of children's media is. Right? Yeah. No, yeah, you're right, because that's like when um I like people are like developing their personalities and stuff. So if you introduce them to um, good things at a, a young age, you're gonna probably be very good people. Yeah, so. yeah, it's, it's 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 critical. And while the other projects, um, the people behind the projects that we've spoken to, like Atypical Loop and Float, that's all really important work too. I feel like that's for you know obviously Atypicals for a, an older audience. And I think Loop and yeah. Float, they're such beautiful animated um, uh, programs, but I think that they're definitely for a little bit more of a mature audience yeah, to fully to fully understand what it what it all means. But for uh, for this dude to be writing in these characters into these shows for little kids and doing it in such an accessible way, showing how important diversity is and inclusion, that's that's awesome. Yeah, and and you you could tell there was heart like put into that character. You could tell. I mean. I'm just so like that's incredible. That really was just incredible. And like again, like one of the main things for me was just seeing that the character had a special interest and stuff. It just they did the character right, which is so important that they accurate accurately like portray, and they they did it right. So I mean, 
very good job, a very good representation. I mean, absolutely, man. Really good. Well, wow. yeah, that made my day. And and days Same. lately, I, we we need some highlights for these days because they tend to run together and be a lot very similar. And, and uh, these days, and I think <laughs> I think that we're in the same boat as a lot of other people. So, with that being said, how have you been, Joshua? Um, pretty good. Um, I'm usually hanging out at my parents' house or my apartment. I kind of. Again, for our listeners who don't know, I have my apartment is like 15 minutes from my parents' house. So I sometimes I'll drive over to my parents' house for a little bit, for a couple of days, and then I'll come back um, to like my apartment for a little bit when like I need my space or something. So yeah, I think like I so I get my space, so everything's going good. Um, still, it's I mean like like anyone at this point, like anyone either spectrum or not this level of change in particular is really hard to deal with. But I think that as long as folks remain like in contact, like zoom or what's not with them, other people, um, we'll all come out of this, um, with our sanity intact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're doing great. And, you know, keep in touch and reach out to me whenever you want to talk. Cause I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm still working out of, I'm still working out of my daughter's closet which I believe I talked about <laughs> on the last episode. Luckily, Zoom has the this feature where you can change the background or else um, yeah. you'd be able to see like her little dress. Not that it matters, but <laughs> yeah. you'd be able to tell where I am. And, um, you know, we're still running the agency remotely. Josh has been participating in a bunch of stuff, which is really cool. And yeah, and they're, they're doing a great job figure. there. Yeah. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much. And he's been, um, you know, continued to be kind of a mentor figure for a lot of our other participants in the program. Um, and we've had more interaction with the Spectrum Designs team at the Nicholas Center online, which is really, really cool. Um, they, yeah. you know, the, Josh's job is kind of shut down right now. They're not making any t-shirts for Google or Uber or any of the huge um, contracts that we have in any of the big events coming into the spring and summer. Um, Cause those events are canceled and we're not allowed to be there anyway. Um, but my job is still going you know, full force remotely. So um, one thing I've really like come to realize and stuff while this whole thing is, and this is about Spectrum. That that place is. I mean, they're great and all, but there's no boss. There's a, but they have leadership there because a, a leader like take cares of take care of like their um company, but also take care of the people, check up on them and stuff. A boss, they just check up on the money. That's it. But the leadership is that. Like, you know, you go and you, you video chat your employees, you make sure they're okay, you, you hold things. And that's what the leadership um, there has done. And it's really just like, I, I just give them kind of like a round of applause because that's really something. I mean, because like I learned, remember, we learned like from George, like TEDx George, yes, I'm mentioning him again, but, um, that there's, um, there's, there's being a boss and being a leader and you want to aspire to being a leader. A boss is just that person who, like, everyone doesn't want to be around because they, they just tell you what to do and then fire you. Um, we have leaders. At this company, there's leaders. So just a quick shout-out to that. I thought that um, people should know. Yeah, that's that's a great thing. And at both Nicholas Center, which is the human services side, which is where I work, and Spectrum Designs, which is the, the social enterprise side, which is where uh, Josh works, we've been on Zoom with upwards of, like, 60 people. Um, making sure that people feel supported and that we're still socializing and bring um, bringing each other out of these funks that we're all just naturally going into. Um, so it's it's a 
as difficult as this has been, and this is hitting closer and closer to home um, as it's uh, today's April 10th, 2020, and we're in New York. Um, oh, man, it's the 10th? Yeah. Um, uh, well, it's been hitting closer and closer to home. We've actually, you know, known some people who have passed from this horrible um, yeah. situation going on, but there is absolutely a bit of a silver lining in that we're seeing um, so much unity and so much um, in virtual inclusion and celebration of life and of each other and um, and rethinking the way we all operate and how we can best support each other. And that's really inspiring to me. Yeah. And um, plus the one, like, I always try to put, have to play the positive spin on things. It's just who I am. But, and, but it's also true. It's like this, the Corona emerged, uh, it's horrible, but at least it happened when we have like Skype and Zoom and stuff. Imagine if it happened back when, before we had that, like just flip phones. Oh man. So, so that's like, at least if, if it had to happen, if it had to happen, at least we have our, like technology so we could re- keep in touch with people. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. So, but yes, yeah, so, but still, I can't get, I can't get over the fact that like the dude has an Emmy and you're just like, I mean, that's pretty cool. I like, think that, that I that's think not that, pretty cool. That's awesome. You heard it here first, folks, and I'm serious about this. I think that we should host our own awards show virtually, annually, in April, starting this year. I don't know what to call it. Maybe the Joshies. SLA Amazing Award or something. SLA Amazing. No, I don't like it. I don't like it. But I think that we should. I think we should give out virtual inclusion awards to some of these people who have been so incredible. Um, and yeah, definitely. No, no one steal our idea because it's ours, and we'll give you an award if you don't take it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right, Josh. We got to get back on with our coworkers. Okay. All right. All right. So, with that being said, everyone, um, stay inclusive and stay sane and stay clean in this difficult time. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Bye.